Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. This is The Athletic Baseball Show on The Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to the 3 Show, part of the Athletic Baseball Show. It's Thursday, April 27th. Derek Van Riper, Guido Saris, Pritcheroli here, talking about some surprises from this first month of the season and some of those surprises that may or may not last. That's going to be the main theme today. We've got a great story in Pittsburgh that we're going to talk about, a couple of series that have really caught our eye, and injuries really popping up, including a big one in the Seattle rotation. But let's start with our main topic today. It's kind of an open-ended question. Whose April will be completely forgotten by the All-Star break? And it could be a team, it could be a player, it could be anyone. Who, what's the story right now that we're focused on that will no longer be a story in July and will be so forgotten because the narrative will be completely different three months from now? We'll kick this over to you first, Eno. Well, I just had the Cardinals come to town, and I don't know that I'm going to make it about the Cardinals writ large because their pitching staff is not that good. But I had this weird feeling. I was watching Nolan Arenado, and he is so lost at the plate right now that I swear to God, it looked like he'd never seen a breaking ball before. Like, it, like if, if I dropped you down and was like, you have to watch this player, you knew nothing about him, you'd be like, that guy is terrible. Like he was every decision he made at the plate was awful. He swung at a breaking ball that was like 12 inches out of the zone. Like I I've never seen him play that badly. And if I didn't know what his name was, I would, I would never have thought about him again. I'd been like, well, that guy's not going to come back here and play. I'm not going to see that guy play again. And, you know, there are some statistical things where you're like, oh, he's doing this or he's doing that. And you could uh, you could say like, oh, he's not as good as he was before or he just peaked last year. I don't care. I just think that sometimes the eye test fails us. And sometimes we even go looking into the stats to sort of, you know, tell the story of, oh, Nolan Arenado isn't as good as we all thought because he peaked in this and this and he was lucky last year and this and that and or the other thing because we want to make sense of what we just saw, which is Nolan Arenado just looks so bad at the plate that you just like, have to explain it somehow. But the thing is, it's just not explainable. You know, it's just it, he's just right now just lost. He's pressing. He's lost. And I have the confidence that a guy as good as he's been in the past is going to find it. <laughs> I think he's going to find it. And as bad as he's been, and, you know, he's been one of the worst hitters. Let me see here. Uh, this is last year. Uh, he's been one of the worst hitters in baseball so far. Um, I don't know if he actually is on the very bottom. But uh, I just also wanted to say that, you know, this happens on the other side, and we, we're, we're more used to it, right? Like, last year in April... Uh, Nolan Arenado was the third best hitter in baseball, but also Eric Hosmer was fifth and J.P. Crawford was sixth. And I don't think that anybody was like really 
like, oh, now J.P. Crawford is a top 10 hitter in baseball. Um, but when it happens the other way, we're always like, oh, my God, the end has come for Nolan Arenado. He's <laughs> old. He's lost. It's, you know, oh, he was never as good as we thought he was. And, like, I th- I say relax. Look up at the end of the season. Nolan Arenado is going to have 280 and 25 to 30 homers, and it'll, it'll look like another season in his, I think, Hall of Fame trajectory. Okay. I like it. I have no disagreement here. I mean, I think it's weird to see any player with a track record like this striking out nearly twice as much as he did during the previous season. I mean, Arenado for his career has never struck out 20% of the time in a season. He's at 22.1% right now. He's walking a bit less than he has pretty much for the last six or seven years. He's not barreling the ball. Everything is going wrong. He's also hitting the ball on the ground. He's hitting the ball on the ground more than ever. It's everything. It's everything. So... When something like this happens to a player this good, I think you could probably put Manny Machado in a conversation like this too. I assume injury if there's a reason at all. Like there's players like this typically do not crash this hard. The other part of this is yeah, we're still talking about 24 games this season. It's such a limited sample that we want to mean something and it just doesn't mean that much when there's so much track record to lean back on and Britt, when you think about the Cardinals and the struggles they've had to begin this season, Nolan Arenado is not the reason why the Cardinals are where they're at right now, right? Like there are other there are other problems that need to be addressed in St. Louis. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this before the season. The starting pitching depth was always going to be an issue. And all it took was Wainwright getting hurt before the season even started to really cast a light on the fact that you know their starting rotation is really an issue. Um, I agree with Eno. I think no, the Cardinals voodoo magic is real. So by July, we may be laughing about this. But as we sit here today, <laughs> they're what, eight games back of the Pirates? Which, if I had told you guys that in February, you would probably have me like admitted to some kind of ward to make sure that like I was feeling okay. Uh, but that that's what we have. I, I do think the Cardinals are going to be better. I think a series of things happened to the Cardinals, right? They had that whole saga with Tyler O'Neill, which really impacts the clubhouse. It's still ongoing, I think. Yeah, I because know. now you're looking at like Ali Marmol and you're looking at, at a clubhouse that either sides with one guy or the other almost. And just the way that whole thing played out and the fact that they're, you know, winning fixes everything. It's like the you know biggest cliche in baseball, but it's true. They're not winning. So therefore this hasn't been fixed. And I think you're still dealing with kind of the ramifications of that as well. So sending down your top prospect because Tyler O'Neill's not getting enough playing time and nobody can figure out what you're doing. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's, it's ugly in St. Louis right now. Um, Maybe in July, we won't even talk about this at all. And like you said, DVR, the problem is this is the toughest time of the year to make any kind of, to analyze anything. I mean, we should just sit here and like talk about nothing because none of this really, <laughs> we're not even at the quarter pole yet, right? Like look at guys who have horrible Aprils. Look at Julio Rodriguez who won the rookie of the year. Look at his April. He didn't get up to a good start this year either. So many guys, especially on the hitting side, don't get up to good starts. It's cold. So the ball doesn't jump like it does. Pitchers are always ahead coming out of spring training. So like, especially on the offensive side of things, there's kind of always that issue. And speaking of offense underperformance, I mean, the San Diego Padres are exhibit A. Xander Bogarts was the only one who's been hitting with some kind of consistency, right? Every day, I feel like people are asking, what happened to Juan Soto? I was in Philly two days ago. Someone of the Phillies asked me like, hey, you think he regrets not taking the 440? Like it's a a huge topic of conversation around baseball. And 
maybe he does, you know, um, Manny Machado, as we talked about off air, not hitting the ball hard. Uh, are you worried about these guys? I'm less so worried about Manny Machado. I think by July, that's something we also probably laugh off. Uh, but, but the Padres as a whole, getting back Fernando Tatis on Friday should help. As we talked about last week, that was like the big storyline. But we haven't really seen this Padres lineup just score 12 runs or just absolutely pummel teams yet, right? And the team no one's talking about is Arizona. We're talking about the Pirates and the Orioles and all these feel-good stories. What about Arizona and what they're doing? What about the young talent on Arizona? I feel like they kind of get pushed to the side, but they are ahead of the Dodgers. They are ahead of the Padres. Brett Strom has done it again. I mean, he he did such terrific work in Houston. Look what he's doing now with this Diamondbacks team. Corbin Carroll, one of the probably top young talents, if not the best young talent in the game, new to the game, you know, really this year, probably is going to win rookie of the year if all goes according to plan. I think Arizona is a team that hopefully we're not sitting here in July laughing and saying, well, they need another year or two that we cut. They kind of had us fooled there, right? Um, I, I hope that they're a team that we say, hey, their April was good. Their May was good. Oh my gosh, Arizona's still doing well. Uh, but I, I don't know if they're going to be able to hang around if the Padres start to turn it on. I definitely am not going to take a victory lap in late April about being a believer in Arizona. It's the start I needed them to get off to. They look good going up against the other top teams in their division. They're making the kinds of moves with this roster that you do when you're all in to win this season. They are not being patient with underperforming players. The Madison Bumgarner release. The decision to option Jake McCarthy. Uh, They're just they're playing for right now. They're doing things that teams like the Rays do. They make the tough cut. They make the tough decision. And that's what I think is necessary. I think when it comes to to Arizona, if we're looking at them in July and we're laughing, the thing that I think would be the main cause of it would be rotation depth. And it would be because the young guys didn't stay healthy or they didn't come through. I think they're going to come through. I believe in this group. But I think that's where the Achilles heel ultimately is for this club. I like the way they're built right now. I think the Gabriel Moreno trade that sent Dalton Varsho to Toronto is kind of like a trade that works for both sides, similar to what we saw with the Angels and Phillies before Logan O'Hoppy got hurt. That was a trade that as soon as that one happened, we talked about it on the trade deadline special last year. It made perfect sense. It filled a need for both organizations. Unfortunately, Logan O'Hoppy got hurt. Well, Gabriel Moreno was sort of an extra guy, a big league ready catcher, a great defender who could also hit who didn't really have enough playing time because they also had Alejandro Kirk and Danny Jansen. He ends up in Arizona. He's an everyday catcher. Dalton Varsho, where they've got a ton of outfielders in Arizona, now is a a key piece for the Blue Jays. It's a win-win sort of trade, but they're good in all the places you need to be good. Other than shortstop, where Geraldo Perdomo has been a little bit better than expected so far, and they've got a top prospect, Jordan Lawler, who we could see later on this season. We could see Jordan Lawler in the second half. That wouldn't be all that surprising. So I think it's going to come down to you know, behind Zach Gallon, who looks like an ace, can Merrill Kelly right the ship and be a mid-rotation starter? Can Ryan Nelson take a step forward and keep a spot in the rotation? Is Brandon Fott as good as people expect? He's going to debut soon. Are they going to get enough out of Dre Jamison working either as a back-end starter or as a multi-inning reliever? That's where I think their weakness is. It's the back of the rotation and potentially the bullpen if they have injury trouble because they don't have a lot of depth there. They're already being tested, but they're at least doing the things I want to see them do. So I think... We're still going to be talking about this as a good team come July. Now, I have a couple uh, couple teams and players I want to throw out there. Let's talk about Gunnar Henderson for a moment. 
because I think we have consistently unfair expectations for young players. We've talked about this before. You come up as a prospect and we expect the world. And if you don't hit right away or if you don't dominate right away as a pitcher, you're disappointment. Or if you're too good too quickly, we get bored. Like all, all of these silly things we do with players. Gunnar Henderson is hitting 194 with a 357 OBP and a 328 slugging percentage so far. He's still played fewer games this season than he did when he debuted last year. So last year's the bigger sample. You can sort of Frankenstein together the career numbers so far. A 352 OBP in your first 55 big league games isn't bad. It's just the lack of power to go with it that's the problem. And the underlying numbers point to the, the power being there. So I think Gunnar Henderson's April is going to be completely forgotten well before we get to the All-Star break. This seems like a garden variety slow start where things are going to start falling into place sooner rather than later. Yeah, I mean, look at Anthony Volpe, right? What were we saying about him a week ago? And then now, <laughs> right? Like, it just, it can turn so quickly. It can turn on a dime. So I agree with you. I mean, I've being close to Baltimore, I've seen Gunnar Henderson a lot. I don't think anybody in the organization is worried about Gunnar Henderson. Again, that's what makes it so tough to sit here and talk baseball to you guys on April 27th is what we're, it's like spring training, right? Where there's always this big joke on the beat that, you know, nothing in spring training matters, right? You get so worked up about these performances. And then in September, you don't even remember what you wrote. Um, that's kind of the way April is. In September, we should like rewatch this episode in three or four months and just laugh at what overall idiots we are. Um, and just for the over, just not that we overreact, but just for the stuff that we're worried about, the stuff that we're talking about. On one hand, there is nothing else. You have to analyze what you have. On the other hand, there's a reason this is 162 games, right? There is so much time for this stuff to change and it, it will change. A lot of these divisions are like so packed together right now. There has been teams that have kind of separated themselves. But look at the NL West. I think Arizona's up by a game. Uh, and then it's the Dodgers and the Pod. Like it's all really kind of squished in there. So a hot week or two. I mean, a year ago, we were sitting there talking, hey, are the Braves really going to get it together? Are they going to miss the playoffs? Then they went on this ungodly stretch and ended up winning the NL East. That's what's so great about baseball is we just don't know what's going to happen. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I've got a, a brief trivia question for you. Do you remember who was in first place in the AL West at the end of April last season? Oh, I can't answer it because I've just, I have a leaderboard. You just looked it up. Who was in <laughs> no, first place in the AL West? Was it the, was it the uh, Angels? It was the Angels. Why do we all know how that turned out? They were 14 and 8. They were a great story. Well, Things I were going well. The, the stories about it. Like, oh, there comes the Angels. That's their year. Preseason, everyone was saying this is their year. 
Right. I was on them. Ken was on them. A bunch of people were on the Angels last year. It was all coming up Angels in April last year. This is a little bit less than scientific, but I'm going to split the last year's April standings into into, uh, three. So top 10, middle 10, bottom 10. I'm going to ignore the middle 10. And I'm going to list to you the bottom 10 last year. And this is actually where I think maybe this year's teams, I might be worried if I was in the bottom 10 at the end of April. Because here's last year's bottom 10. Cleveland. Oh, so you're like, oh, well, you know, why would you be worried? They're a playoff team. Let me list the rest of them for you. Red Sox, Pirates, White Sox, Cubs, Tigers, Nationals, Royals, Orioles, Rangers, Reds. None of those made the playoff season. So nine out of the bottom 10 did not make the postseason. Now, of course, if you're looking at this year's uh, bottom 10, um, maybe you could say, well, out of the you can you can take the nine and I'll take the Cardinals as the 10th. That's <laughs> still possible. But, uh, you know, in that bottom nine right now, the Red Sox are a team that could maybe get it together and are four games better than the Cardinals. Yeah. You know? Um, the uh, Giants, uh, are they in the bottom? Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They're probably just barely outside the bottom 10 because they're 11 and 13. And, uh, and you know, they're, they're a team that's just now getting healthy, putting Mitch Hanniger and Michael Conforto in the same lineup for the first time this week. Um, so, you know, there's the Cardinals, I would say there is a little bit of a whiff of, of concern and, and the, even the way they're acting, you're talking about the D backs acting like a team that wants to win now and, 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 and making these decisions, the Cardinals are doing similar, but the vibe is different. You know, just the Jordan Walker decision this week that came down yesterday while I was at the park and they had Mazilliak out there talking to reporters, but you know what they also did was they closed the clubhouse. Uh, and so the clubhouse is only open for like 15 minutes yesterday. Oh, and they conveniently did a show and go and a show and go is like, yeah. basically we're not talking to, we're not talking to reporters today. A show and go is like, yeah, we showed in front of our lockers and then we went, I mean, it's in the yeah. name. You know? Yeah, totally. There's no, for people listening, there's no BP, there's no anything pregame. Yeah. You show up and go. Yeah, so so even though you know, I know Lars Newtbar pretty well. You've seen him interviewed on the uh, Rates and Barrels podcast. Like, we, I trained with him in the off season a little bit, and like, you know, he was like, "Ah, show and go today, sorry, dude." Like, we got like <laughs> we got two minutes together, you know. So you know, the whole the the whole vibe yesterday was uh, really weird and a little bit desperate. And I think that bottom of the leaderboard tells you. Uh, why now? So flip it to the other side, because obviously there are teams in the top 10 that right now that won't be in the top 10. And this is, I think, germane to discussion of a team you have next on the rundown. Last year's April top 10, Milwaukee didn't make the playoffs, right? In the end, uh, that was a like narrow miss, you know, yes. last Yay. week, Mets, Yankees, Giants didn't make the playoffs. Yep. Blue Jays, Padres, Angels didn't make the playoffs, did right? They didn't. Dodgers, Rockies didn't make the playoffs. Marlins didn't make the playoffs. So there's more pretenders on the positive side, I think, than there are really like bad teams that started doing bad to, uh, badly and end up making the playoffs. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think you know expanded playoffs especially keeps things open a little bit longer, but the bad starts are really hard to come back from. 
that wins count. Those are wins that you're missing out on. And, and in the end, with the expanded playoffs, one win is in or out. Yeah. Well, you need you need a Braves-like run from last year, which is, I don't think people realize how just But even they at least started is. in the middle 10, you know? They, yeah. they at least were 10 and 12. Like, they weren't. I mean, but the, is the a but look at the AL East already. I mean, Tampa has banked so many wins that like they're you know they're three and a half ahead of Baltimore, who's also got sixteen wins. I mean, nothing to sniff at. I think we could say that the Rays are going to make the playoffs, probably right. <laughs> like, like we could say that. Yeah, well, their playoff odds have already gone through the roof with this fast start. That's just how the the numbers work. Who are your pretenders this year then? Twenty game winners though. No team has eighteen wins. Right. But but who are your pretenders this year? If we if we had three or four pretenders in the top ten last year, who are your pretenders well, this I year? Think Baltimore's the, the top a pretender. ten this year. Oh I know. People are gonna hate me. Spicy. What are you what are you doing? Oh no. Guys, I'm sorry. I would like I... <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. Why? Tell us tell us why. Tell us why you don't believe. I don't think their starting rotation is going to hold up. They're not going to be able to go toe-to-toe. You look at their rotation, and like at best, their best guy's probably Kyle Gibson, right? He's probably a three on a good or, team. Uh, Grayson Rodriguez could still Grayson be a one Rodriguez, or two, but the, he's very young. The separator is going to be the young guys, right? The problem with Grayson yeah. Rodriguez is he's got to get his command and control, right? So if he doesn't mm-hmm. have his command in check, he's a guy who's going to fall victim to a lot of walks, a lot of high-pitch counts, a lot of early comeouts, right? So that's a, a, a little bit of an issue. I don't know pitching wise, and they don't have the reinforcements coming on the pitching side that they do position player wise. Their prospects, a lot of their prospects are position players. I don't know if they have the pitching to compete for the whole 165. Say they have an injury of their rotation. It gets a little scary, right? Um, so I like them. They're playing with kind of that same pluck and fervor that they did last year that kind of made them that surprise team. Um, certainly, you know, offensively, Adley Rushman's been great. Ryan Mountcastle, uh, really difficult to watch in the field. The other thing with them is their, if you guys look at the, their DRS, their defensive run saved, they've been ranking near the bottom for pretty much the entire season. I know, again, it's a small sample size. Their outfield defense really needs some work. These are tiny things. But they have all these young guys that are come up. So they just brought up Joey Ortiz today. Like maybe they start, uh, you know, de-emphasizing Adam Frazier and maybe Joy Ortiz is an upgrade defensively over Adam Frazier. And, uh, you know, they started playing Heston Kirstad at uh, at first base. Maybe he comes up and pushes Ryan Mountcastle to DH. And so maybe the young guys are the the answer there. I mean, I think it's I think it's a, a, a bold statement that I'm pushing against because I had a I bold like prediction that they make the playoffs. I like and, it. I hope. You know, I do. love all their young guys uh, coming up, but I hear oh. you. The, I hope they you know. do, but really, are they going to outlast Toronto and the Yankees over, let's forget about Tampa, over 162 games? That's where I struggle. I mean, it's a really tough division. I mean, that's exactly. I think if they were in another division, I'd feel a little bit better. I don't know if they're going to be able to hold off those teams for the course of a whole year. That's also a little bit of an issue with young teams sometimes is that they don't have that concept of the 162. This is why veterans, you know, you can't put it on any leaderboard. You can't quantify it. But veterans, when your team has a four-game losing streak in early September, are able to kind of say, guys, we're good. Let's calm down. You know, there's there's really nobody in that clubhouse that fills that role. I think they kind of are missing I that. I mean, usually, usually it's a position player. I mean, Kyle Gibson, obviously, is a veteran. But, like, the, you know, p- the pitchers are gone four days out of the five. Yes, right? like it's hard to not... be a leader. Yes, if you only play yeah, every five days. Yeah, it's hard days. to be a leader. Yeah. So, and they're a really close team. I think watching that team, and I might write about it soon, like, the the 
the guys really get along and that's a product of kind of this team being up here and getting their, their, you know, getting coming up together, yeah, right, taking their too. lumps and really getting beaten to a pulp for a few seasons in a row. And they've really, they really hang out all the time. They do group dinners. They have weird little routines and the, they play little games in the bullpen. Everyone has seen the Homer hose and the sprinkler and they're really fun and they're building that winning culture again. Um, so I would love to be wrong on this. I just don't know if their starting pitching is going to be able to hold up and the defense. I think it's a fair question. I think the Orioles and the Diamondbacks are, are, are similar phases yeah. of their respective rebuilds where you could see either one of those teams getting into the place. You can see them get in the postseason. They're going through puberty. Sure. That's one one way to put it. I, I, <laughs> I think the difference for me, the slight difference for me is Baltimore has a few more big league ready players they're not relying on right now. So they have the pieces to go out and make some moves if they want to keep adding to this roster. I'm sure they'd be making the kinds of moves that aren't for rentals. They're going to be making moves that make them better beyond this season. We talked about this a little bit on our prospect episode of Rates and Barrels earlier in the week. It, it's really a question of who has pitching that they can trade the Orioles. The Orioles have position player prospects to move, but mm-hmm. who actually has controllable pitching that they're going to give up? It's a lot of the usual suspects that come up as part of this conversation. Um, I want to ask you a, just a general question about the AL East right now. If I gave you the choice, you could have the Rays or you could have the field. You get the other four teams based on these starts. Who would you actually take to win the AL East? Is Tyler Glass now coming back still in May? Or is Soon, there any yeah. update on that? They, they say still, no setbacks? Going off a mound. Still on track. That's so important, especially like in the wake of um, Jeffrey, Springs. Jeffrey Springs. Yeah. I was going to say Eflin, but he was just a back thing. Um, yeah. In the, in the wake of that, I think if you tell me that Glass now is healthy the rest of the year, I take the raise. Not close. But again, if Glass now is hurt, I don't know how long they can cover for his spot when they're already missing. Jeffrey Springs. I'm. Uh, I don't know if it's recency bias, but I'm taking the Rays. I mean, they're they're just doing it everywhere, and all their young bats seem to be taking that step forward at the same time. So yeah, their lineup is so much better than people anticipated. Uh, but again, that's a function of as we've talked about. They had one of the highest IL stints in terms of days and players missed in baseball last year. They were the only team that went to the playoffs that were in the top three in that like injured list category and so just being healthier this year has enabled them to have just a really strong lineup and they come at you multiple ways like i'm sure you guys can have much more statistical argument to back this up but they're power guys they have contact guys um they're just able to come at you i feel like as a lineup and wonder franco has kind of become the guy that we all thought was going to come right yeah, they have some like guys, big swing and miss guys like Brandon Lau, and then they have guys like Juan Franco just makes contact on everything. They have guys with great discipline. They have guys who just make a ton of contact. Like it's, yeah, it's a pretty balanced lineup, and and obviously it's always balanced right, right to left. Uh, and Manny Margot hasn't even gotten going yet, so if he can get going, he was a valuable piece for them in the past. Like uh, you know, and they 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 always have like one or two interesting moves in them over the course of the season. So I I think that. I just you know banking 20 wins uh just puts them ahead of the pack in such a in such a way that like even if they have a little step back they can have another hot streak you know yeah they're only four games up on the blue jays though if you see the blue jays is the biggest threat to the rays that's not that much of a lead especially the, for late april so i'm blue jays have that like ricky tiedemann like we still do have one trick up our sleeves all these teams do have a visible flaw I think every single one of them has some kind of question about them. That's what's going to make the ALE such a fun battle throughout the year. It seems like for a 500 team, nobody wants to be on the side of the Red Sox being a playoff team 
even though the first month of the season hasn't been that bad. It could have could have gone a lot worse. I think there's a lot of ways to imagine how that could have happened. But <laughs> I think we should talk about the Pirates. They're 17 and 8 entering play on Thursday. They're playing the Dodgers as we record this podcast. Winning. Winning right now. Yeah. One on Wednesday night. And this start is extra surprising in the face of O'Neill Cruz's injury, right? I mean, I think when O'Neill Cruz went down, the Pirates had maybe a good week already banked. And we thought, oh, this is it. This is the quick, this is the quick problem that's going to turn this around. And so far, it hasn't been that way, right? So what are we going to be talking about with the Pirates three months from now? Is this going to be the team that fades the most out of the the top 10 teams, as you as you described, you know, are they going to be the, the hardest crasher that we say, yeah, they they got better this year and they had that great start, but they barely finished 500. They finished a little under 500 and it's still it's still a year or two away from you know, seeing playoff baseball again in Pittsburgh. Yeah, the, the, the thing for me is like, you know, on the pitching side, I am impressed with uh, some of the uh, the pitching strides that they've made in development. And I think they do have that uh, sort of proverbial ace up their sleeves in uh, Luis Ortiz. They have some depth, uh, some interesting players. Unfortunately, Michael Burroughs just got hurt. So it's uh, really just Luis Ortiz as the, the pitching ace up their sleeve. But um, you know, and I and I think that they are on the right track generally. So I don't want to uh, sound negative about the Pirates, uh, sort of organizationally as the way they're going. But in terms of like, you know, when I look at their lineup and I look at the players that are doing really well, I see a lot of regression candidates. I mean, Andrew McCutcheon is good, but right now he's like 40% better than league average good. And I don't know that he's going to keep up this kind of power pace all season. Um, We've got uh, Connor Joe, who's bounced around. Maybe he's taking a step forward, but these uh, these sluggy numbers would be some of the best of his career. Um, And... uh, Jack Sawinski is good, but he also doesn't make a lot of contact. Usually, is this new contact rate going to... It's just too many players. Like, yes, you can tell yourself a story with each one of them. They're young. They're stepping forward and this and that and the other. But there's too many players that are kind of doing better with the bat than you would expect at this stage in their career. And on the flip side, the only player that I think that could do better going forward is either I knew O'Neill Cruz coming back and doing better or Cabrian Hayes uh, doing a little better with the stick going forward. So you basically have like seven guys doing better than you'd expect and then two guys doing worse. So it's like you just kind of you just expect some regression uh, across the board from those seven and it won't be covered by the two, in other words. So I expect their offense uh, to be the biggest step back for for the Pirates. And, you know, for what it's worth, you can still say they are the 15th or 16th best team in in the big leagues, which is way better than they've been in the past, uh, and not put them in, say, your top 10 despite their record. I mean, that's... I know that there was some... Uh, upsetness on on Pittsburgh Twitter about you know where they were on on certain uh, uh, power rankings, but you know uh, I think the whole idea of power rankings is a, is a problem because yeah. you know you either just put them up by their record as that that's what they've done, or you look at projections, you look at the future, and you and you you know try to say what they're gonna do. Yeah, so I'm a little more bullish than you know. Um, the thing for me is they're in a highly winnable division. So what are we talking about, right? Are we talking about do they have a chance to win that division? 
Again, highly winnable division. So I I do think there's a chance. I also think, you know, I've been around teams that had negative run differentials that made the postseason. And people were like, how, how does this happen? Right? they don't even have a negative run differential. Right, exactly. Like, I've been around teams that, like, tangibly people were like, this makes no sense. And yet they (laughs) still do it, right? Like, this makes no sense. They shouldn't be able to beat the Dodgers, right? But they're doing it. And, you know, their their schedule, they did have some easier teams, but they didn't have, like, the Rays cupcake schedule of the first two weeks, right? Um, They did have some impressive wins. And I think, again, what you can't account for is they finally signed Brian Reynolds to a, a the first, I think, $100-plus million contract in Pirates history, and they extend, they extend Derek Shelton. So the vibe in that clubhouse, and I'll see this team on Friday, and I'm really curious what the vibe is in there, is that – Hey, maybe we got something something going on here, something a little special. And it, as Eno mentioned, there are a lot of guys already playing over their skis, so they're going to need something else to happen so that they don't have this like precipitous drop. However, the thing about belief is it's a crazy thing. If they beat the Dodgers, they could then come and play a terrible Nationals team. So now you're stacking wins, right? Mm-hmm. And now if we go into May and, and they're still really in first need place, to get to. What they need to get to is 86, right. 88. You yes. Know? With expanded playoffs, even if they really have a chance here. So I agree with you. Are they a top team in baseball roster talent wise? No. But could they sneak in the postseason and be a team that everyone's like, I have no idea how to explain it, but they keep winning. They could be. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, like what extending Shelton and what finally signing Brian Reynolds, which was a huge topic of conversation for what felt like 10 years I bet you that was a bit of a sore in the clubhouse, right? This is our guy. This is like, if we have a veteran and a leader, he's, it's him. Yes. You know, and, and he's not happy and he's in trade rumors and, you know, let's sign him. You know, what what's what's the deal here? So I imagine that like those are really positive things that are also kind of helping the clubhouse and helping these guys be like, all right, maybe the ownership does kind of sort of not want to lose all the time, right? Um, yeah. So, I, <laughs> you know, I think that that also could maybe help things along. Um, and as you know, mentioned pitching wise, I think um, they've made a lot of strides and MLB trade rumors had a great breakdown of how they acquired all the talent they have. And more often than not, their trades have worked out. And this is going back even before the Charrington era. Um, they have done a really good job of stockpiling talent, which of course, cause they've been bad year after year for ever. But now they're finally at the point where these guys are all kind of converging. And, and could they catch lightning in a bottle this year before like before really anyone thinks it's time? Sure. Again, the 2008 Rays, I was around. No business, no business winning, let alone going to the World Series. The 2012 Orioles, the negative run differential, no business winning, right? Um, there, it does happen in baseball. And I think the Pirates could be an early candidate, for that, especially if they take care of the Dodgers. Because now you're looking at going into first place in May. And that can have a real tangible effect on guys' psyches. I'm not convinced by this club. I I like that they're better. I think Pittsburgh is a great baseball city. I think PNC Park is a fantastic ballpark. It's one of my favorite parks to go to. It's a small step forward that if you're there, you've you've had your heart broken enough times as a Pirates fan, you're probably not really looking at this team and saying, we're definitely winning the division. I think it's a fair question to ask today, who wins more games this year, the Bucs or the Cardinals? And even with their respective starts, you, you know, you kind of pulled to the team that got up to the better start. I would still be on the Cardinal side of that toss-up for all the reasons that you've both mentioned. There are still a lot of shortcomings here. This is a team that does not have depth. Even if they get the players that they have right now to continue playing at these levels, 
as injuries start to chip away at this roster, they are not built like some of these other younger teams that we talked about. They're not quite built like the Orioles and Diamondbacks. They're a notch below that in terms of big league-ready depth. They do have a couple players that I think will contribute. Eno already mentioned Luis Ortiz. I think he's going to be a big part of this rotation sooner rather than later. As soon as someone breaks or struggles enough, he's going to get a chance. I think we're going to see Henry Davis. That would be the kind of thing that would make me more excited about the Pirates. If they want to bring up Henry Davis and health permitting, bring up Andy Rodriguez, now you have a little more going on because you have two impactful offensive players that are likely going to be on the next great Pirates team or at least next good playoff team that they can put together. And they're not playing service time games. They're not waiting forever to bring those guys up. That would go a very long way in getting me on board with what they're doing so far. Yeah, Andy Rodriguez is a really fun guy because uh, once he's past this uh, forearm tightness that he's dealing with, he's not your traditional catcher that is just going to catch. Um, He's a little bit, you know, he doesn't have the speed of a Dalton Varsho, but like he's a little bit like, hey, this is a really good hitter who can catch, but also is athletic enough to play other positions. And so if Henry Davis really does step forward and becomes the catcher of the future uh, for them, and he's much more of a catcher's catcher, then you've got uh, in Andy Rodriguez another kind of uh, depth piece. or it, It's better than depth. It, it's a piece that creates depth. You know what I mean? He's a guy who can play all over the diamond, and all of a sudden you don't have to worry about Jiwon Bay's regression. Or is Tukapita Marcano going to have like a 400 Babbitt ball year, you know, because you could play Andy Rodriguez at second if both those guys take a step back. And that would be totally like you could even have a pretty good defensive arrangement with Henry Davis behind the plate and Andy Rodriguez at second. Um, And then and then once O'Neill Cruz comes back, that creates depth, too, because that puts Rodolfo Castro, you know, back to second or makes ND a real utility guy. So they do, you know, it's not your traditional Orioles. We have like five top prospects that are ready to go, but the prospects that they do have coming up kind of fit their needs, right? And will will make this team more of a mix and match. And that's something that teams are trying to do a lot more. If you look at how the Rays are run or how the Giants are trying to be run, it's a, it's about like having guys who can play multiple positions so you can mix and match. It's part of why the Cardinals are in trouble right now is because of the way that Jordan Walker and, you know, they wanted to have this guy DH and they want to and then they just couldn't make it fit because not, you know, Walker's defense isn't good enough, you know. So like, the you know, the the players they do have in Pittsburgh, you guys are talking me into this. Sorry. <laughs> so to clarify, just am I the only one on the Cardinals to win more games than the Pirates, even accounting for these slow starts nine wins in the bank so far for the cardinals 17 for the pirates give you an eight win head start i mean you has got an interesting point especially with the new rules i think defense is going to be just maybe even more of a like added incentive like it's going to be more important than we've seen in previous years this is why aj preller collects infielders collects shortstops right because Mm -hmm. if you get a shortstop you can move him anywhere he's athletic enough and good enough that you can move him anywhere like have you guys seen tatis he's made some impressive plays already in the outfield Cardinals are like actually not that great of a defensive team for their defensive reputation, right? They're playing Tommy Edmond at short, who's not that good defensively at a, as a shortstop. So now that's why DeYoung is up and Taylor Motter. Taylor Motter was the corresponding move for for Jordan Walker. That tells you everything. They need to. They want to mix and match more, and they want to be able to play good defense in every position. Yeah. Now, where's the Pirates defensively though? That so that might be end up being really important. I think. 
Let's see. You're It'll right, be the a lot better when O'Neill Cruz comes back. <laughs> That's the other thing no one's talking about. That could be their, what's he, four months? So could be their second half. Their trade deadline it's, acquisition. You know, they don't have to do anything. They built one in. Oh, God. They built in the cheap one. Right now, right now, today, they were fifth. Tied with the Rays in defensive runs saved. Let's see. That's not bad. No. It's better than I would have expected. No. That does have some old O'Neill Cruz in it, though. Jack Sawinski playing some center field. He's hitting a ton right now, by the yeah, way. He's an center fielder negative, he, too. Uh, right fielder negative. Yeah, they're not great center field. Because Ryan Reynolds, Brian Reynolds is not a great center fielder. So anytime he's in yeah. center field, uh, you know, it's yeah. not it's not a good day for them defensively. So they are and then right Rodolfo now. Castro is a step down from Cruz. I would say right now... They're not their best defensively, but when they get Cruz back and potentially have Andy Rodriguez up, I, I feel like they Oof. would be a much better team defensively. You're right, though. The Cardinals have some hot spots. Negative five in right field already? That's tough to do. That's Jordan Walker. That's Walker. Yeah. That's There's your reason for why did Jordan Walker get sent down? Yeah. Negative four at second base. Some Nolan Gorman cooked in there, right? Meanwhile, the Pirates are yeah, eight, eight at man. third base. Well, that's that's where Castro and Bay and Marcano are. They're you know they are pretty athletic, so I, well, I can yeah. believe that. Yeah, you said third Ke- base, third Brit? base. So that's uh, yeah, Brian, Brian Hayes. Hayes. Yeah, yeah, solid. That's Holy lockdown. hell! That's as good as the next closest guy at defense. third base, three. Yeah, Cabrian Hayes is one of the best defenders in the big leagues. I mean, eight just jumps out to me. Like for example, Francisco Lindor, three. Danzig Swanson, three. Yeah. Nobody is above Connor Wong. Five Contreras five. There's nobody above five. That's that's for this early in the season. That's impressive. He's. I mean, he should be on a, a top three for best defensive player in the big leagues. Yeah. The I don't know how much that can help you though at third base if he was your shortstop and yeah. or center fielder. You know, I think I might be more bullish. But I also think that once they're once they have when they're fully healthy, this is a good defensive team. Here's here's why your Ooh. question is great though. Projected wins at the end of the season, according to Fangraphs, 81 for the Cardinals, 80 for the Pirates. See? My mental math is usually pretty solid. You know what I'm doing? I'm taking the Pirates. I'm taking the Pirates, too. Okay, I'll take the Cardinals. It's one win, and they're just going in the wrong directions. You know what? If they take a win from the Dodgers, they're going to get three more in D.C. probably. Maybe, maybe two. Yeah. You hey, know what? Um, I just watched Wall? the Brewers team drop two of three at home to the Tigers. You think these these bad yeah. teams are going to just roll over, and they don't. Sometimes they, don't. They, they actually do a little damage. The Tigers are one of those teams that one week they're going to look like great, and then the next week you're going to be like, wow, this team's never going to win another game. Like, that's just how they're going to toggle, I think. Uh, I need to bring this up for DVR that you're – your boy Victor Robles, last place among center fielders right now in DRS at negative. He's not seven. even playing good defense anymore. Negative <laughs> seven. What happened to this guy? DVR, the next person, eighty fourth, is negative four. So it's not even close. Wow. A negative seven in the month is what you get when you put a non center fielder in center field. You know, in center That's... field, and he might get less than Oof. that. Wow. Wow. What happened to him? What did the Nats do to Victor Robles? I told you, I, you were always on him, and I was like, I'm not really seeing it. 2019 <laughs> happened. I don't know how it happened, but it happened. Yeah. Anyway, that, I thought that was just remarkable. He's hitting 279. He's a star. 
Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. One more great product from LinkedIn. You're there to network, you're there to look for jobs, you're there to post jobs, and how about LinkedIn Sales Navigator? It's a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize and shows you hidden allies so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash baseball show. That is linkedin.com slash baseball show for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash baseball show and get started. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. We should uh, acknowledge Drew Maggi debuting for the Pirates after yes. 13 years in the minor leagues. He was a 15th round pick out of Arizona State. I'm sure by now many people have seen uh, the videos, the interviews. It, it's a great story of, of perseverance, right? How many how many players grinded out for that long before getting that first taste of the big leagues? So just a real tip of the cap to him for for that. I, I and mean, we know. Stories like this typically end with a, an unceremonious, you know, DFA release, return to the minor leagues. Like it's it, that's where it usually goes. But I think it's a it's a fun fifteen minutes to be sure. Yeah, and like think of all the people. People don't realize if you're not a top pick, if you're not a guy the organization deems as a prospect, the road is so much harder. You watch everybody get promoted before you, right? So keep that in mind. Like all these years, he saw these top prospects and these guys who were supposed to be good, always get the benefit of the doubt. If it's close, they're going with the guy they put two, three million in, in the draft, right? So for him to get here, it's not only unlikely, it's almost impossible. And so for him to <laughs> still keep doing it is remarkable. It's such a, it's just a testament to perseverance because you know, I, when I look at, I'm a, I'm a statistical guy. When I look at the line and I look at the numbers in the minor leagues, I would say this player is not good. And, <laughs> and, and, and so, you know, he was in double A in 2012 and he was 35% worse than league average. And, you know, you're just like, why, like, how do you keep going? And so, okay, so you're only 23. So you, uh, give me another chance at double A. And now you're only 11% worse than the league average. Okay, you hit one homer on the whole year. You're 24 years old. You're a 15th round pick. People are just passing you by. Your time with the Pittsburgh Pirates is up. Then you finally do double A a, a third time at 25 years old with Pittsburgh. That's you're old. finally better than league average. And they release you. They don't even they don't even give you the shot. So now you're one of these guys who goes from team to team. And now you're in your late 20s. You're still not that good. You still hit a one homer a year, two homers a year. 
So then you say, hey, you know what? Let me, I don't know what he did. Let me get on a weighted bat program. Let me change my swing, whatever it is. He starts hitting homers. And you're like, okay, now he's inching above league average. He's above league average. But at this point, he's 30 years old. <laughs> totally. And not even a former top prospect. You're not even a top. Yeah, you can't even be like he was a 1-1 or something. You know, so he's in 2019, he's 9% better than league average in AAA as a 30-year-old. Oh, man, are you like at this point, you're like, I hope to be a future manager, I think. You know? How did he never go to Korea, right? Like at this point. Or, yeah, why did he never go to another country? And then, and then even, so then that was his, that was his best. His best was when he was with Minnesota around COVID. So he wasn't even good this year in the minors or last year in the minors. Last year in the minors, he was again, 40% worse than league average. And this year in the minors, he was 70, 64% worse than league average. It's just an amazing story of perseverance where you're just like, there are so many places along the way that I would have told you to do something else with your life. There are so many times <laughs> along the way where the, Everyone the voice you in that. your head would have said, yeah. what's next? What's after baseball? And to say, you know what? I'm going to give this another shot. Like that, that, takes, that takes a lot. And you're not getting paid. No, no, that's the, that's the other part of this. It wasn't like he was a second round pick or a first round pick with a Living huge signing his, bonus, yeah. and he just, you know, it was fine. He's like, oh, I got, I got signing bonus money. I'm good. This is, this is the life I want to live. No, it's a 15th round pick. That well, their signing bonus was minimal coming out of, out of ASU in 2010. So just really cool story to see him would uh, get be that a great future manager. I think we were just talking with Gabe Kapler last night um, at, in the scrum about, you know, how do you, how do you manufacture comfort for a player you know especially the, the giants are like oh we're gonna use you against lefties and oh you oh you don't like <laughs> think of your shaw mania and you're like you signed you and you know one inning here and three innings there are you piggybacking here you know how do you manufacture comfort with a player and then young players when they come up and he talked about how he went to japan and got his butt handed to him and it was just awful and just the, the worst player he'd ever been and he thought this is it i'm done and then he came back and he had six more seasons in the big leagues. And he says that when he talks to a player, he just tells them, this is not it. This is just a bad stretch. Everyone has a bad stretch. It'll be fine, you know, and tries to find that comfort. Who better, who better to tell them, you know, that this is just a, a blip and, you know, keep at it than this guy than Drew Maggi. Like he's going to be, I think he could be a great manager just because of this whole experience. It's a long, long road in the minor oh leagues. God. A lot of experience gained, a lot of things learned along the way. I think you might be right. Could be a great fit uh, as some sort, some sort of manager or coach somewhere in an organization. Imagine that's got to be next. If you've endured minor league travel for you that long, you're totally fine with minor league travel. You are comfortable on coach buses and in uh, you know mediocre hotel situations. <laughs> One more news-related story I wanted to bring up on today's pod. Robbie Ray is undergoing season-ending surgery, and the Mariners are in surprisingly good shape compared to other teams. To lose a big free agent signing from a year ago for the rest of the season, many teams would lose a pitcher like this, and you'd say, oh, they're, they're going to spiral. They're, they're a total mess. But I think because they made that move for Luis Castillo, they have Logan Gilbert and George Kirby there, their trio up top is still really good. This does put more pressure on Marco Gonzalez and Chris Flexen as sort of their back-end innings eaters to stay effective and to stay healthy. Uh, but as 
as devastating as this could be, and it, it certainly stinks for Robbie Ray to have his season cut short like this and have to go through all the rehab, I don't think I look at the Mariners, who are two games below 500 entering play on Thursday, and say, this is it. This is the thing that's going to cook them. I think this is a Mariners team that's still going to be pretty feisty all season long. I agree. And and honestly, like the decision this spring to stretch out a guy like Flexen kind of pays off now, even though he hasn't been that good. Like they actually have some options. This isn't like we talked about with the Cardinals, right? There are teams that just can't withstand a rotation hit. And I think Seattle is one of them. What also helps them on the flip side is Jared Kelnick is finally hitting like the player people thought he was going to be. And Julio Rodriguez is heating up. So they are a team that you're right. I don't think is going to drop off a cliff by any means. Um, I think they're a team that can certainly withstand this. I think they're a little bit of a sleeper, quite honestly. I know they didn't get off to like this great start. They've just kind of been okay in stretches of a good series, not an off series. Um, but they're an excite to me. They're an exciting team. I mean, Julio Rodriguez is much watched TV and, Certainly losing Robbie Ray hurts their chances this season. But with expanded playoffs, they're a team that wouldn't surprise me at all if they snuck in either. I think that they have that mentality. They're a team that that's slowly been building. And as we mentioned, they have that depth organizationally. Um, they really seem to have it together. They really seem to take care of their guys. They're guys that come up from the minor leagues, seem to be prepared. And they keep finding ways for these guys to get better. Kelnick's talked about it. Rodriguez has talked about it. Uh, the way they handle these younger guys, I think is, is it's tough to quantify, but I think it's admirable. And I think it's slightly above what some of these other organizations are doing without giving away too much of what I'm writing in the future. Yeah. I thought you made the Mariners <laughs> your, uh, your world series pick on this yeah. show a few weeks ago too. So I told you I'm, I like the Mariners. I mean, again, though, it's hard in April, you watch a series and you're like, Oh God, they look horrible. <laughs> Uh, and then they rebound and you're like, ah, ping ponging, but that's April baseball, right? Um, certainly this hurts my pick, but every team has to go through some adversity, right? Yeah, I think so. I, this also, maybe was, this will change their plans in the short term for Bryce Miller. I mean, I think there may have been a, yeah. a relief role in his immediate future with starting being the long-term plan in Seattle, but now they may have to actually consider using him as a starter later on this year if another injury, another significant injury gets tacked onto this Robbie Ray injury. And maybe even not if there's no injury. I mean, we're talking about some of these teams having aces up their sleeves in, in Luis Ortiz and Ricky Tiedemann. Um, you know, how great is it to, as a team to say, we're going to replace Chris Flexen in the rotation with a top prospect in September who might have enough innings to help us in the playoffs, right? And now all these teams that have been playing you all season are like, what, who's this guy? What is he, you know, they're, they're seeing him for the first time. And maybe if you're lucky seeing him for the first time in, in the playoffs. And that's like such a benefit because they just haven't seen that guy. They're not used to him. Um, and it's it's such a good way. So I think Emerson Han Hancock and Bryce Miller, they're struggling and scuffling a little bit in the minor leagues. But between the two of them, they have... The, you know, the chance, I think in terms of depth, maybe somebody like Tommy Malone would come in if, if somebody got hurt, if it's a short-term injury, uh, just to kind of step in and, and, and give them innings. Maybe they do some bullpen games. Uh, they don't have a lot of depth. You're right. But in terms of like, do we have someone exciting that could step in and improve this rotation, push Marco Gonzalez or Chris Flex into the pen? Uh, I do. And I do think they have that in, in Bryce Miller. The other thing is, I think Chris Flexen can be uh, a major league starting pitcher. When I look at his collection of stuff, it, it, his secondaries are much better than his fastball. 
And so he has to figure out how to kind of pitch backwards and to turn the lineup over multiple times. Uh, but I see enough stuff there in his various pitches that I think he can be a fifth starter for them. And I think him sort of turning that around a little bit will be part of the story. Julio Rodriguez just getting back to where he was will be part of the story. Um, and there's definitely uh, a lot of talent there. It's a good roster. And Jared Kalnick taking that big step forward, I think, is it was is really important for them. Yeah, and a couple of veterans underperforming right now. They brought in A.J. Pollock and Colton Wong, not getting much from either one of those guys. If that continues, if that runs down into late May or June, then maybe we're looking at those spots as two areas where Jerry DePoto will make some kind of move and an Trader upgrade. Trader Jerry. Trader Jerry. He's not going to sit idly by regardless of what's happening with this team. We've seen that time and time again. Uh, be sure to let us know which April story will be completely forgotten by the All-Star break. You can just tweet at us at Eno Saris, at Brit underscore Giroli, at Derek Van Riper. If you would like to get a subscription to The Athletic, it's a dollar a month to get in the door for the first year at theathletic.com slash baseball show. We'll make that happen. That's going to do it for this episode of The Athletic Baseball Show. We are back with you on Friday. You've always got the green light here. Green light 3-0, and she's gone! As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.